The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on just a gorgeous day here in the Auburn Opelika area on this Tuesday, February 6th, 2024. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7. So much to go over today. It's a Tuesday, which means we'll also be joined uh, by Daryl Dappert coming up in hour number two. So excited to have Double D with us on for 30 minutes this afternoon. We'll be talking all things Auburn athletics with basketball, football, and yeah, baseball as well. Uh, not a ton of news on that side of things, but with opening day coming up next week, uh, we'll definitely have to touch on that. But great show on tap for you today. We do need to have some more basketball things to talk about with Auburn and Alabama going to battle tomorrow. Also some big games around uh, the conference and the country uh, today and tonight, really, in college basketball. So excited for that. Uh, we will continue talking about a little Auburn football as we have some, you know, some updates, I guess, when it comes to spring practice coming up and still people losing their minds about Auburn hiring DJ Durkin. I'm not really sure what all that's about, but um, lots to get to today on the show. And I appreciate you being with me here on ESPN 106.7. Again, Double D will join us coming up in our number two. But as we get into it, Auburn basketball coming off of the win over the weekend at Ole Miss. They are now, uh, they've gone up a little bit in the in the AP poll, and you start looking around at what uh, what Auburn is going to be doing. And we've kept talking about this, this run that Auburn is about to go on, this stretch of games that Auburn is about to go on. And look, it's not easy, right? It is not an easy stretch that Auburn is about to endure. And I really do think it started with the game this past weekend at Ole Miss. Like, that's not an easy game to play. That's not an easy place to be and win uh, because Auburn was the first team to do it this year. They were the first team to go into Ole Miss and win a basketball game. And so with Auburn now being up to number 12 in the AP poll, Alabama is up to number 16. We mentioned this a little bit yesterday, but I do want to go back through and give you an updated look at the current AP poll at college basketball. We're going to go 1 through 25 quickly here. Okay, it's UConn, Purdue, North Carolina, big win over Duke. Kansas got a big win last night in overtime at Kansas State. Or excuse me, apologize. Kansas State got the the overtime win. My apologies. Yeah, Kansas State uh, in overtime. I watched it. Crazy, crazy game there last night. Kansas should have won, right? Kansas should have won that game last night, uh, but Kansas State, they won. And then did you see how they stopped the court storming? Did you see that? Did anybody else watch that game last night? They stopped the court storming from Kansas State. One of the assistant coaches went over during the final timeout and was begging, I mean literally pleading to the students not to rush the floor. 
I don't know. Kind of weird. Like, I get it. Okay, I understand the whole protecting the players and especially protecting the opposing team on the road in that situation. Absolutely. I'm all about that. But why are we taking what makes college athletics special away? Why are we trying to take out the fun of college basketball? I mean, think about some of the best memories in the history of this sport. It's the court storming. It's the floor rushing after a big upset win. And that's a Kansas State team that had lost four games in a row going in against the number four team in the country. And after that team just came off a trouncing over Houston, and yet you couldn't allow the students to to celebrate and enjoy the win. I don't know. I just, I didn't like it. And it is what it is. They didn't get a chance to celebrate properly. But Kansas State with a big win over number four, Kansas. Houston, number five. Tennessee, number six. Marquette, number seven. Arizona at eight. That's a good Arizona team. You have Duke at nine. Illinois at 10. Wisconsin at 11. So a couple of Big Ten teams. Auburn right there at 12. Baylor, 13. Iowa State, 14. How about this run right here? South Carolina, 15. Alabama 16, and Kentucky at 17. That is a great representation of the SEC because South Carolina at 19 and 3, Bama at 16 and 6, and Kentucky at 15 and 6. And I feel like if you asked the average basketball fan, the average SEC fan, you wouldn't have guessed that Kentucky had six losses this year at number 17 in the country, but you got to start looking back into their non-conference play when they lost the the third game of the year to who was the number one team in the country, that Kansas Jayhawks team. They also have one of the ugliest losses in the year to UNC Wilmington, right? You remember that game way back when at Texas A&M at South Carolina and Kentucky losers three out of their last four and two in a row at Florida and home for Tennessee. Now, luckily, they get to rebound, and they've got a game at Vanderbilt uh, coming up tonight, so I think they're going to be okay. I have a good feeling Kentucky and the Cats are going to get back on track. And then, in case you didn't know, coming up this weekend, Kentucky just randomly plays Gonzaga in the middle of SEC play. Why? I don't know, but it's cool, and I like it, and that's not a over-the-top great Gonzaga team, not the Gonzagas of the past. It's crazy what happens when you don't play in a real conference, huh? And Kentucky should win that game, but we'll see how that goes. So all of that to say this, going back to that three-team stretch here of South Carolina, Alabama, and Kentucky, 16 or 15, 16, 17, that's really good. And the SEC is very well represented. Our Dayton Flyers at 18, sitting at 18 and 3. Don't you overlook them. Creighton at 19, FAU at 20. That's Uncle T-Bones, one of his favorite teams in the country. BYU at 21, Utah State 22, Texas Tech 23, San Diego State 24, and New Mexico at 25. So the SEC right now, you've got Tennessee at 6, you have Auburn at 12, and then you have South Carolina, Alabama, and Kentucky. And when you start looking at bracketology and teams that are in, according to Joe Lenardi, this was updated yesterday on February 5th, the SEC doing pretty well in bracketology. They've got nine current teams in the big dance. That's tied with the Big 12 for nine. And will it stay that way for this conference? I just don't know. I don't know. Because you look at who the last four buys are, plus the last four in, 
four out of those nine SEC teams are on the bubble right now. That's Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, our last four buys, and then Florida's a last four in. So you're talking about four bubble teams and a good chance that at least one of those is probably left out because somebody has to lose, right? These teams are going to play each other. The top teams are going to play these teams. Like, things still have a lot of, there's still a lot of time for this to get worked out here. And for, as I said yesterday, the top teams to separate themselves, the bottom teams to separate themselves in the middle of this conference to kind of get sifted out, kind of get shaken out and, and, and solved and settled here in this month of February. But it is impressive to see the SEC have nine teams. Do I think they get that many by the end of it? No, I don't think so. But I do think there's a good chance at seven or eight. And that's a really good year. That's a great, great bid for any Power Six conference. Because you look at the Big 12, which is arguably the best conference in college basketball, at nine. And then the drop-off is pretty significant, right? Look at the Big 10 with six. The Mountain West of all conferences has five right now. The Big East has five, my favorite conference. ACC, just four. Pac-12, the conference that will no longer exist, only has three. And only has three because Oregon, next four out on the bubble. Colorado, first four out on the bubble. That's a problem for them. That's a problem for the Pac-12. Washington State, last four in, on the bubble. So, What happens if they fall out? Then you're really in trouble if you're the Pac-12. All that to say this, while the SEC may not be as strong as it has been in the past, NCAA tournament-wise, it's still one of the best conferences in the country. And you look at the games that are happening, you look at the results that are happening in this conference, you look at some of the players in this conference, absolutely. I put it up there with some of the best. But the Big 12 is legit. The Big 12 is absolutely legit. Have you seen what's going on over there lately? Number 5, Houston. Number 13, Baylor. Number 14, Iowa State. Number 23, Texas Tech. Number 4, Kansas. Number 21, BYU. That doesn't include Texas, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Kansas State, who just won last night. Like, There's a lot going on over in that conference right now. No wonder they're a nine-bid league as it stands right now with Joe Lenardi and his current bracketology. And then you start looking at what comes up tonight and what's going to impact all of this. Just look at the top 25 teams in action tonight. South Carolina, number 15 in the country, hosting Ole Miss. Huge game. Great game for the Gamecocks there in Columbia. Number three, North Carolina, hosting Clemson tonight. A team that has completely fallen off. Uh, a team that was undefeated at one point, uh, has a win over Alabama in Coleman Coliseum, has just fallen off a cliff since they got to ACC play. Houston taking on Oklahoma State, no worries there. Iowa State, a ranked team going on the road in conference play to an unranked team. What have I said all season long? That's where they go to die. And here you go. You've got three of them in a row right here. You've got a lot more than that on the schedule, but three in a row. Number 14, Iowa State at Texas. Number 18, Dayton at St. Joe's. And number 21, BYU at Oklahoma. You also have number 17, Kentucky at Vanderbilt. You have number 25, New Mexico at Wyoming. All of those are games where the ranked team in conference play going on the road to an unranked team. I'll say it right now. 
One of those teams is going to lose. One of them is going to lose. And you know what? I'll take Texas tonight. I'll also take Oklahoma tonight. And as I look at it, they're also favored, which is not surprising at all. Not surprising at all. Because that's where college basketball has gone this year. And you know the reason for it. Right? You absolutely know why. Because everybody's better. Teams are more balanced. Upsets are no longer true upsets. Like I just said, unranked Texas is favored at home over the number 14 team in the country. Oklahoma, ranked or unranked, favored against a ranked BYU team in Norman. That's where we are right now. That's where college basketball is. Also, I missed this one tonight. Number 24, San Diego State on the road at Air Force. I don't see that one going wrong, but you never know. And then a top 25 matchup, just to throw that in there. Number 23, Texas Tech on the road at number 13, Baylor. Teams are more vulnerable than they've ever been. Ranked teams are more vulnerable than they've ever been in college basketball. And that's what makes it fun, man. That's what makes it so exciting. And that's what's going to make the NCAA tournament even better than it already is. You think you think it's hard to get a perfect bracket now. Wait until this season. I'd be willing to bet there's not a perfect bracket after day one this year just because of how unpredictable college basketball has been. And so the games tonight that really impact Auburn, impact this conference, you've got two in the SEC when it comes to ranked teams uh, playing from the SEC tonight. And those are the only two games that are on the schedule. Ole Miss coming off the loss against Auburn on the road at South Carolina. A team that is 19-3 and and 7-2 and in conference play. But a team that I just can't quite figure out. A team that I'm just not 100% sold. I've been very high on this team. I have. And the stretch they've gone on is, is truly remarkable. Win at Arkansas. Home versus Kentucky, home versus Missouri, went on the road at Tennessee, and went on the road and beat Georgia. They've got two of the best wins in the conference right now. Now, they got beat by 30 against Alabama, and they also lost to that same Georgia team, but they split, they made up for it. And they don't get Alabama again, so they don't have a chance to win that. But folks, South Carolina has wins over two top 10 teams in the country. Who else can say that in this conference? Nobody. That's where South Carolina is. In this next two games, they should win. They should beat Ole Miss tonight. They should beat Vanderbilt this weekend. And then you know where they go? They go right here. They come to Auburn. They come to Auburn on the 14th, on Valentine's Day, when they take on your Tigers inside of Neville Arena. That's a huge game for both sides. And really, the rest of the schedule for South Carolina is really not that tough. Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, at Auburn, that's a tough game. Home versus LSU, sure. At Ole Miss, tough place to play, but it's doable. At Texas A&M, same situation. Florida at home, cool. That should be a win. You get Tennessee in your place. You just beat them on the road. Why can't you beat them at home? And then you go on the road at Mississippi State. That's not a tough end of the season for South Carolina. Now, will they continue this trend? Will they continue to play well and get better as the games go on? Or will they fall off a cliff like I think they will? I have a feeling that's going to happen. 
But I'm curious to see what happens with the Gamecocks. And then Kentucky taking on Vanderbilt tonight. Shouldn't be a problem. That's a bad Vanderbilt team. But they did just get their first win in conference play. They did just beat Missouri the other night. So maybe they've feeling a little better about themselves. I don't know. Tomorrow's a huge day. Tomorrow, outside of the Auburn-Alabama game, of course, you have LSU on the road at Tennessee. I don't see that one being super competitive. Texas A&M at Missouri. Boring. But then Georgia at Mississippi State. Two teams that are trying to keep their head above water right now. Two teams that are dying for a win, and that one taking place in the hump. So while tomorrow may not be super, super attractive, you've got Auburn, Alabama tomorrow. Auburn, Alabama tomorrow is going to be an awesome game. One of the best games we've seen in the conference this year because guess what? Round one was one of the best games we saw in this conference this year. Number 16, Alabama at number 12, Auburn. Given how the first matchup went, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be fantastic. And this could, we've talked about this. This game could come down in the next few weeks. We could look back to this game and say that was for the number one spot in the conference because right now it is. Right now, the game tomorrow between Auburn and Alabama is for the number one spot in the SEC. And we very well could come back to this game and say Auburn split with Alabama rather than Auburn getting swept by Alabama. Because we talked yesterday about 14-4 and four and whether that's good enough to win this conference. And you know what? I don't know if it is anymore. At one time last week, I thought it was. But given where the top four or five teams sit right now in the conference... Alabama 8 and 1, South Carolina 7 and 2, Auburn 7 and 2, Tennessee 6 and 2. That's a tough thing to do. Those teams play each other. Auburn plays all three of those teams. Auburn plays Alabama this week, South Carolina in a couple weeks and Tennessee a few games after that. So what's going to happen if Auburn if Auburn is not able to take care of business? They're going to fall out. But what happens if Auburn does? What happens if Auburn does take care of business? Then you're in the driver's seat to win the SEC. That's what tomorrow holds. That's what is on the line tomorrow when Auburn hosts Alabama. So much more to talk about with that. We'll have a lot more to talk about that with Daryl Dapridge coming up in hour number two as well. Tomorrow, we'll have Uncle T-Bone back in here, so he'll be talking about that. We'll be excited for that, man. It's going to be a lot of fun, Auburn hosting Alabama. But coming up here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, more basketball talk. We'll have some other talk as well with football and anything else you'd like to talk about. 334-321-1390. That's the number to get you through to me. Come on in and be a part of it here on the Tuesday edition of On The Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Appreciate you being with us on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins with you this afternoon. Got so much more to get to as we were talking a lot of college basketball there and and talking about kind of what's been what's been going on and what's coming up tonight and and um and just kind of breaking down SEC basketball play and some things we need to talk about when it comes to the Auburn and Alabama game tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, because there is some fuel been added to the fire for this 
for this Auburn-Alabama game tomorrow. And if you haven't seen it, there are some quotes out there from Nate Oates in his press conference where he compared Neville Arena really well, and then he compared it not so well. And he talked about how Neville Arena has become one of the premier places to play similar to Cameron Indoor Stadium with the students right there on the floor, right there on the action, right? It's really tough to play. But then he also compared it to a high school gym where you have a couple thousand just packed in there. And it seems like Auburn fans have not taken that second part very well. Seems like they're not very happy with that, with what he was saying. And look, was he trying to get people fired up? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe he was. Maybe he wasn't. I think he was giving a compliment about Auburn being similar to Cameron Indoor because I think he's right because Neville Arena has become so just so difficult to play in because of the students, right? Because of the students taking up three-fourths of the bottom of the arena. And that is something that not every school does. That's something not every school prioritizes. And I think it's a huge advantage for Auburn. I really, really do. Because when the students show up and the students are loud and the students are doing their thing, yeah, Neville Arena is the toughest place to play in college basketball. There's no doubt about it. Now, I will say this, when the students don't show up or they show up and they're not on their A game, then Neville Arena is just another gym. And that's why tomorrow is so important for students who apparently, according to Dylan Cardwell's Instagram, students are already lining up for the game tomorrow night. Yes, you you heard that right, and yes, I did say it right. Auburn plays Alabama tomorrow in basketball at Neville Arena, with a tip-off time set for 6 p.m. As of 2.30, the day before, there are already students lining up to get in the door. That is insane. That's insane. But that's what Auburn needs. Auburn needs that. Auburn has to have that. Because Neville Arena has to be the toughest place to play in college basketball tomorrow night. Because Alabama brought it when Auburn came. Right, Alabama and their students, while we make fun of that place a lot, right? We make fun of the size and the old and and how they never fill it up until Auburn comes to town, which is true. They showed up and showed out that game. And guess what? It got to Auburn and they won because of it. That was a huge reason for their win. So Auburn has to do the same thing tomorrow. And you can show up and you can make it similar to Cameron Indoor, or you could show up and make it similar to a high school gym. I don't care. Maybe he was trying to compare it because in a good high school basketball environment, yeah, there's some really, really fun places to play and coach and be a fan. But I think Auburn fans are starting to take this a little personal here on the fact that he's trying to compare Neville to a high school gym. We know people make fun of it because it's quote-unquote a smaller gym because it's small. 9,000 people is not small. It's not big. It's not 40,000 like Thompson Bowling or Rupp Arena, but it's bigger than a high school gym. Come on. But I don't care how big it is. I don't care how small it is. It's effective and it works, right? It's a tough place to play. And there's a reason that Auburn has such a good record inside that building. It's because it's one of the toughest places to play in all of college basketball. 
And Auburn has to bring that tomorrow. The fans have to bring that. The students who are already lining up to get in and anybody that's got a ticket. And that's when it comes down to those of you who have season tickets who decide you don't want to go, sell them. Give them away. Get rid of them. I don't care. Neville Arena has to be packed tomorrow night. And it will be. It absolutely will be. And this just kind of adds a little oomph to this rivalry, right? The Iron Bowl of Basketball 2.0. Because we know how big the game is itself. You've got the number one team in the SEC coming to your house. You can become the number one team in the SEC with this win tomorrow. That's what Auburn has to take into this. That's what the fans have to know going into this game. And if they do that, then you're going to be good. And you're going to be fine, and Auburn's going to have a great chance to win. If you don't bring it tomorrow, Auburn fans, Alabama's good enough to come in here and win. We know that. 334-321-1390. we got more to talk about. Remember, Daryl Dappert's Double D will join us coming up in hour number two. Stick with us here on ESPN 106.7. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. And you, if you'd like to join us, come on in. we got a lot to talk about, 334-321-1390. And want to talk about something that happened yesterday. And... This is wild to me. I mean, this just absolutely blows my mind for a couple of reasons. Let me tell you what it is, and then I'll tell you why. Yesterday, according to Missouri, according to the University of Missouri, their athletic department has received a $62 million gift to the athletic department. Somebody... An anonymous donor gave away $62 million, with an M, not a B, but an M, $62 million to the University of Missouri Athletics. $50 million of that goes to stadium improvements there for Memorial Stadium. And the other 12 will go towards NIL, the, Missouri, the Mizzou's Tiger Fund, which is the, the NIL collective there at Missouri. That's wild. Why? A, because it's Missouri, and no offense to them, but Missouri football, when it comes to relevancy in the SEC, hasn't always been there. Coming off one of their better years, for sure. Absolutely. Coming off one of the best years they've ever had. And yet, they've made it to one SEC championship since they've been in the conference. And it was the first year they were here. Or is it two? I think it's two. But either way, how much, I don't know. The fact that they got somebody to give them $62 million. Hey, credit to them, man. Credit to them. Getting $62 million and 50 of that going to renovate their stadium. That's nice. Auburn could use that. Auburn would love to have that. And we know Auburn's doing things on their stadium. We talked about that last week with the 
with the new video board jumbotron going on the other end of the stadium going to be a little bit shorter but a little bit longer than the current one on the south end zone this one will be on the north end zone but then the other 12 million just 12 million dollars stroke to check said here you go and the message on that check you know what it said go buy some players go buy the best ones you can find and that's where we are that's where we are is anybody you me ceo anybody can decide one day on a tuesday or a monday morning they wake up and they say you know what i really just love missouri i really just love tcu i really just love the university of hawaii i'm gonna stroke this fat check and let them go and buy the best football team that they can put together. Is that not wild to you? And I know, believe me, I know, NIL, this conversation is never going away. And it comes up quite often. And donations happen all the time. They do. A lot of them don't get reported. But for one singular person at Missouri, of all places, to give that much money is impressive to me. Which is why I think it's only going to grow. I mean, heck, you've got quarterbacks now that are buying $350,000 cars in college because that's how much money they're making as a college football player. It rubs me the wrong way. It really does. It rubs me the wrong way. But it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere at all. That's going to be here until the end of time, until something changes and Nothing probably will. And it might change, but you can't just automatically go back on what they've already done with NIL, right? You can't say, oh, well, I know you were making $2 million, but uh, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore because the SEC decided they didn't want to do it because the Big Ten decided they didn't want to do it anymore. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. And it is interesting because, and I may have mentioned this yesterday with Uncle T-Bone, I can't remember, about the SEC and the Big Ten coming together and forming some group because they want to help redirect the future of college athletics. Well, you know what that is. You know what that is, right? That's the first step in what I've said is going to happen within the next five years. The major conferences, SEC, Big Ten, ACC if they survive, They're going to come together and finally realize and understand that the NCAA does not help them anymore. The NCAA is not a benefit to conferences like the SEC and the Big Ten. The NCAA does not help the schools and the student-athletes within those conferences. And this is not just football. This is much bigger than that. This is all sports under those schools and those programs and those conferences. So this was the first step to that that the SEC and the Big Ten said you know what we see what's happening we don't like where this is going let's start having open conversations for and this is really in my opinion it's just letting the world know hey we notice what's going on we're going to start taking care of it we're going to start putting a plan together to fix it I don't know how they're going to do that and I'm sure not smart enough to figure that out But that's what they're going to try and do. And they're right in doing so. And again, I think eventually they're going to tell the NCAA to kick rocks because the NCAA does not benefit them anymore. 
So why would you keep, why would you stay in a relationship that's not good for you? Why would you stay with someone that doesn't make you better? That doesn't give you something that you don't already have, that can do something that you can't do. That's why you're in that relationship, but that's not the case anymore. It was for years, but not anymore. Now, for smaller schools, smaller programs, smaller conferences, absolutely. Absolutely. The MAC, the WAC, sure. Those conferences need it. Those conferences absolutely need it. In college basketball, the Big East, they probably need it. Other conferences and other sports, yeah, they probably do need it. But for a sport that's getting as big and is as big as college football, they don't need the NCAA anymore because they can't do anything. We know how long it takes for an investigation to take place. We know how long it takes for a student athlete to become eligible or get told that they're ineligible. We know how long and how dumb the processes and the rules are that the NCAA has that sometimes they enforce and sometimes they don't. And I think these schools are fed up with it. And we are too. People that are fans of the sport, people that are fans of the student athletes, we're tired of it. We're tired of it. Because the NCAA is worthless now. Their role from 20 years ago does not exist anymore. Because I've posed this question before, and I'm going to ask you again. Take a second. I'm going to pose this question. Who is the most powerful man in college football right now? Who is it? Who's the most powerful man in college football? You should have had one name pop in your head. And that's Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner. That's who it is. He is the most powerful man. You could say college athletics. Because of how good he is, how smart he is, and the guidance that he has already shown during his tenure here, during his reign as the SEC commissioner. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm not saying that he's a tyrant and trying to take over the world. I'm saying that Greg Sankey's done a hell of a job. And I think he has earned where he is right now. And I think he can see and understand That we're not in a good place. We're not in a good place with college football. We're not in a good place with college athletics. We're just not. Everybody, I think, is for athletes making some money off their name, image, and likeness. But we're not going in the right direction here. And this all gets sparked up. We try to move on from this. We try to forget about this topic. But there's always something else that comes up. There's always an example of a quarterback in college buying a quarter million dollar car. Do we think that's cool? Do we think that's okay? I don't know. I mean, it's totally up to you. Everybody's got their own opinion here. And I've talked about how contracts are coming, salary caps are coming, college is no longer. I mean, eventually, they're not going to be college athletes. They're not going to be student athletes. They're just going to be athletes. Some will. Because some understand that they're not going to make it to the pros, whether that be professional football or professional volleyball or professional swimming and diving in the Olympics. Some people understand that. And most athletes don't go pro. And so they're going to have the option to go back to school. They're going to have the option to go and be that student athlete at Florida 
and at Ohio State and at Syracuse or wherever. But for the high-profile ones that all they want to do is play ball, make some money, try to go pro, eventually they're going to say, well, why would I go to school? I don't want to do that. I'm not going to get my degree anyway. I'm not going to hang around long enough to do that. I'm not going through all that. I'm not living in a dorm. I'm not going to class. I just want to play ball. I want to play football. I want to play basketball. I'll spend my time in the gym. I'll spend my time in the film room. I'll I'll spend my time scouting or whatever. That's coming. I I truly believe that. That that day is coming. I don't know how it's going to look. I don't know how it's going to work. I'm not smart enough to figure that out yet. But that day is coming. And when it does, I don't know what the future holds. But that's why you have people like the SEC and the Big Ten. I think they've waited too long, but they're trying to get out ahead of this thing. And eventually they're going to split off as these conferences continue to grow. They're going to split off. They're going to give the middle finger to the NCAA. And they're going to go form their own thing. And they're going to be two separate entities. And I don't know what happens when that divorce goes down. I have no idea. Divorces are pretty much always ugly, and that one's definitely going to be. I don't know who goes where. I don't know who gets what assets. I don't know. I have no idea. But there will become a day where the SEC and the Big Ten and all the major conferences split off, and they do their own thing. They will create new rules. They will create new championships. They will create new guidelines. That day's coming, and what I believe that. Because money has become the ruler of college sports. It used to be the thing that people were after on the backside of things. That was the dirty side of it that we didn't talk about because it wasn't this big. Because, believe it or not, I believe that there was a day and time in college sports, college football in particular, I believe that there was a day and time where money was not the everything where money was not the true focal point. I believe there was a day like that, and it was probably before my time. That's not the case anymore. Think they care about the student running back? No. Think they care about that track and field athlete? No. Think they care about that coach? No. They care about the money that's being brought in. And understandably so. But that's all it's about. And I do think... Before we get to break, I do think that Greg Sankey thinks a little bit bigger than that. I believe that. I think he has shown that. I think he's proven that. Which is why I think he's one of the really good people to be running this thing and one of the really good people who should be out ahead of this. Who does he bring on? I don't know. A lot of people have talked about Nick Saban being a part of that group. If there is a a committee or whoever, whatever you want to call it, that tries to guide college athletics and I think if you take the orange and blue glasses off here in town I think we can all understand and kind of look back and say yeah Nick Saban's probably got the the student athlete's best interest at heart right I think you I think we could agree on that and there's some other really big names out there that could be a part of this thing but something has to change because the future's not bright future's dark the current is dark the present is dark And it's ugly. It's just not right. And again, I don't know how to fix it, but I can see what's coming. 
And I can predict a timeline for that. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. But I think we can all agree it's just not what it used to be. We'll take our final break here in hour number one. Give me a call. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We'll wrap up hour number one on the other side. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. A reminder that Double D will be joining us. That's Daryl Dappert. He'll be with us in hour number two starting at 315. He'll be with us for 30 minutes. And uh, we'll be talking about the Senior Bowl that he was at last week. Get some thoughts about that. We'll also uh, be talking Auburn basketball as they are hosting Alabama tomorrow. And uh, anything else going on in the world of Auburn athletics? Phone lines are open. You can get in on the show. 334-321-1390. This is not sports news by any means. Uh, we got a couple of minutes here, and and we may have some Bruce Pearl audio. He just had his press conference. If not, we'll talk about what he said in the second hour. But uh, major, major news in in the uh, country music world. Of the, again, this is not sports by any means. But uh, a huge, huge impact on my life, a legend, uh, a, a huge singer in a lot of, of people's lives. Uh, Toby Keith uh, passed away after a battle with uh, stomach cancer, which he had been sick for a while. I believe he had been he had been battling this for a minute, um, but he died at the age of sixty two. And and look, we were having we were having a debate this morning in our staff meeting about what's the best Toby Keith song. What is it? What what's the best? What's your favorite Toby Keith song? Because there are, I mean, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of different songs and and look I, I love toby keith if you're not a country music fan i get it i absolutely get it but if you are if you're a 90s 2000s country music fan then you are devastated today i woke up to the news and it was it was really sad man and and you know you lose you lose people like that and and um had a huge impact on me i remember it was he was one of my grandmother's favorite artist of all time and we would listen to his music all the time when I was growing up and and um yeah so that was that was really sad news today that I had to uh, had to see that and so uh yeah people have been debating all day long on social media and, and like I said our staff meeting this morning about uh what the what the best Toby Keith song is and and we came up with like 20 different answers so wanted to at least mention that that's um that was some sad news today on, on the side of of my fan fandom for him and and I know a lot of people as well but as I mentioned uh, Bruce Pearl did just have his press conference and had a lot of things to say uh, about the game coming up tomorrow in case you missed it Nate Oates had his press conference today and uh, talked about the Neville Arena the rowdiness is compared to a high school gym is what he said reminds him of a high school environment where you pack 2,000 people into a small gym is what Nate Oates had to say he also compared it because of the students to Cameron Indoor, where Duke plays, because of where the students are located in the gym. So I don't know if, if you want to take the Cameron Indoor compliment or the backhanded high school gym compliment. I don't know. I, I think that's kind of up to Auburn fans to decide. But also, I, I mentioned this earlier, students are already lining up, which is uh, pretty crazy over at Neville Arena. But Bruce Pearl had some things to say, and one of the biggest ones was about Auburn fans and 
about how they should uh, they should try to keep their cool tomorrow night. We should watch our language, is what Bruce Pearl said. That Auburn fans is probably directed at the students because of how close they are, right? Because of how close they are to the gym and to the floor. He brought up how Auburn fans should, you know, keep their composure and all that. Bruce, I love you, man. I do. I love you. There ain't no way that Auburn fans and that student section are going to take it easy on Alabama tomorrow because, because Alabama fans and Alabama students did not take it easy on Auburn when they were there just a few weeks ago. And Auburn fans are not going to take it easy on them. Now, I'm not saying go out and, and yell every cuss word in the book and, and say bad things about their mom, but you're going to get some rowdy fans at Neville Arena come tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow evening. And I think Bruce Pearl probably had to say that, but, you know, I get where he's coming from. I absolutely do. Also wanted to mention this. Chennai uh, Broom was named the uh, USWBA Oscar Robertson National Player of the Week. He was on that list of five other players. It was Tyler Thomas from Hofstra, Max Rice from Boise State, uh, Quincy Oliviari from Xavier, um, Hunter Dickinson from Kansas, and Janai Broom from Auburn. So good for him, man. One of the National Players of the Week. That's huge. And Auburn's going to need him tomorrow, let me tell you. Auburn needs him desperately tomorrow to have a big game And we've got a lot more to talk about on that coming up in hour number two. Plus, Daryl Daprich will join us. We'll talk Auburn basketball, Auburn football, and anything else we can get into in a 30-minute segment with Daryl Daprich. But until then, phone lines are open. Come on in. Start us off on hour number two, why don't you? 334-321-1390, hour number two, coming up. ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here in hour number two on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins with you on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of the first hour, lots of uh, basketball talk in that hour. Also had a, um, a, a whole conversation about just the future of college athletics thanks to some donations to other SEC schools and just kind of where uh, where the SEC stands right now kind of where college football college athletics are going all that good stuff so really good first hour uh, if you missed any of it 
You can find it on the podcast right after the show today. Just search ESPN 106.7ESPNAU.com, or you can just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Got our first segment here. Phone lines are open. Give me a call, 334-321-1390. Whatever you want to talk about, you want to start talking Auburn and Alabama tomorrow, uh, some SEC games going on tonight, uh, college basketball games going on tonight, or uh, Nate Oates' comments, Bruce Pearl's comments. We're going to get to those in just a second as well um so anything you want to talk about in this first segment 334-321-1390 coming up at 315 we'll have daryl dapperich join us on the phone lines former montgomery radio legend and on with zach blackerby on fridays for locked on auburn he'll join us at 315 we'll talk all about it we got a lot to get to with daryl so excited for that but today nate oates for alabama and bruce pearl for auburn both had their press conferences previewing the game coming up tomorrow and we'll start with what Bruce Pearl had to say because he had a lot of good things to say and and was really just previewing kind of what is to come tomorrow and he talked a lot about this game and just kind of how it's just so important to win this one and we have a lot of thoughts on that more today and more tomorrow of course but he opened it up and he said look they're a dangerous team because they all shoot it so well. And I don't have to tell you that. Bruce Pearl doesn't have to tell you that. And he doesn't have to tell his team that. We know Alabama can shoot the ball well, right? That's about all they can do is shoot the ball really well because that's what they always do well under Nate Oates is just shoot the basketball. And they did the first time around. They did when this was in Coleman Coliseum. And Auburn struggled to play there. They got out to a a big deficit, a double-digit halftime deficit, and had to come back and make it a ball game. And you cannot let that happen tomorrow inside of Neville Arena. If anything, you're trying to flip that script and do the same thing to them. Because typically... Alabama is not a good three-point shooting team on the road. Typically. Not all the time. They have their games, sure. But look at what Alabama has done recently on the road. The offensive numbers haven't been as good. That Georgia game, they struggled until the last 10 minutes of the game, and then Georgia blew it. Tennessee, they scored 71, but they struggled to get those 71 points. At Mississippi State, they got 82, but that was a ball game. 78 on the road at Vanderbilt, but that's Vanderbilt. Come on. Compared to what they've done at home, South Carolina, they scored 74 against one of the best defenses in the country. They put 93 on Missouri. They put 79 on Auburn, who played them extremely well. 109 against LSU and 99 on Mississippi State. I would say, I have not done the math, but I would say on average... There's got to be a 15-point differential between Alabama at home and Alabama on the road. And guess what? They're on the road tomorrow. They're here at Auburn. And so not only does Alabama not play as well on the road, we also know that Auburn plays a heck of a lot better when they're at home inside of Neville Arena. And I would be willing to say that there's probably a 10- to 15-point difference for Auburn. Probably 10 And I think that's more of what Neville Arena does rather than Auburn's bad performances on the road versus good performances at home because I think Auburn's made all their games close. And so Bruce Pearl understands that they can shoot really well and Auburn's got to cover them all. 
Good thing is you've seen this team already. And there is some news about Alabama. Nick Pringle will be back, according to according to Alabama, according to Nate Oates. Um, they will have him available. He will travel to, to Auburn tomorrow for Alabama. He, uh, According to Nate Oates, he said, quote, he's been in practice the last two days, so he'll make the trip with us to Auburn. Now, he's coming off his second suspension of the season. Is the six foot ten center, or a senior, I should say, and apparently he was suspended for some attitude things, is what Nate Oates said. Attitude adjustments, I believe, is the language that he used. So, I don't know. We'll see. He'll be there, and he definitely, when he's playing well, he makes Alabama better, sure. So, Auburn's got to adjust for that tomorrow. Bruce Pearl did say this about the crowd tomorrow at Neville Arena. He said, quote, I want our fans to be a little bit mindful of our language. He said, I want our fans to be mindful of that at Auburn. It matters. It doesn't need to be that way. And that is a, that's a quote, just, that's not even just about Auburn specifically. Isn't that just about college basketball? Isn't that just where kind of the student sections are where, look, we've all been there. We've all been in those student sections. I was one of them. It gets nasty sometimes, especially when teams like Alabama come to town, when Kentucky comes to town, when Ole Miss, Arkansas, when those teams come into your building, yeah, the fans let them have it. The students let them have it because Auburn gets the same thing when they go on the road. But I'm I'm with Bruce. There's no reason to go after people personally. No reason to go after families and all that mess. But Alabama's going to hear it tomorrow. I'm sorry, they are. They're going to hear it. Bruce Pearl also said, quote, right now Alabama's in first place. I've been talking about Tennessee being the best team, and I still think they are. But Alabama is in first. got to win all your games at home to be able to win an SEC championship. And while I think he's right and he is right about Alabama being in first, you don't necessarily have to win all your home games, but I get where he's coming from. Absolutely, I get where he's coming from. Because Auburn, with how tough it is to win on the road in college basketball, not just the SEC, just college basketball, yeah, home games become that much more important. They do. They, they become that much more important. Because winning on the road right now as a ranked team, it just seems impossible at times. And so when you get a chance like this with a top 20 team on your home floor, You've got to take advantage. Alabama did. Alabama took advantage. It's time for Auburn to do the same. Because you look at what Auburn's got coming up, it's not easy. They just started it off with the win at Ole Miss. You get Alabama in the midweek. You go on the road to Florida this Saturday. Then you have South Carolina, top 15 team. You have Kentucky after that, top 20 team. At Georgia, at Tennessee then home for State at Missouri and home for Georgia. That's not an easy stretch of games. But you start comparing the home and the road games, the home games are tougher, but the road games are more important. The road games are more important because you got to pick up one or two, and I guess you could really say the home games are more important because you got to win them, and then you got to pick up a win or two on the road. So Auburn and, and Bruce Pearl understand what's at stake tomorrow. You don't have to tell them that. They understand. And I expect it to be a really good game. I expect it to be a really fun game. I expect it to be a close game. 
But I don't think there's any doubts on who the better team is. I don't think there's any doubts on who the better coach is historically. Not in this not in this matchup. But historically, over a longer period of time, I think we all know that Bruce Pearl's the better coach. And I think that we can all look at these two teams when playing at their best. And we can all agree that Auburn's the better basketball team. But guess what? The best team doesn't always win. The better team doesn't always win. They don't always do it. So you have to come in and play really, really well tomorrow because Alabama's going to give you everything they've got. And a team that can shoot like them is always in it. They're never out of it. They are never, ever out of it. So Auburn has to get a lead, step on their throat, and put them away. Because if not, if not, then Auburn is going to struggle. Auburn's going to struggle right now, and you have to go in and beat Alabama. Let's get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with? Hey, is this me? Hey, yep, you're up, man. What's up? Hey, it's Mark. Hey, Mark. Oh, no, go ahead, man. You know, last week we were talking, and I was asking you about 14 and 4. Yeah. Do you still do you still think that's what it's going to take, or I, do you think it's going to take 15 and 3? I think it may take 15 and 3, Mark. I really, really do, just because – I think the teams at the top, Auburn, Bama, Tennessee, South Carolina, they just keep winning, right? They just keep winning. And yes, they're all going to play each other, but I look at a team like Alabama and I look at their schedule, which is much easier than Auburn's, and it's tough for me to find three or four more losses on there. So yeah, it may take now, a 15 and three, Mark. Now, their uh, stat during the game, during the Ole Miss game, they said that Alabama had the number one strength of schedule remaining. Oh, I don't. I don't agree with that. <laughs> Just to be respectfully got, honest, I mean. Well, they've got Tennessee at home and Kentucky and Auburn on the road. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. I think you they know, play Florida again. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they've got Florida at home and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They've got at Auburn, at LSU, um, at Kentucky, at Ole Miss, and at Florida. And then their home games, they have A and M, Florida. Tennessee and Arkansas. Yeah, because I, you know, I've been looking in Georgia. I think while they've had a great season, I think the season's beginning to take a toll on mm-hmm. them. Yeah. So I think they're going to falter down a little bit. And I, I still, I'm still sticking with South Carolina. These guys are real. Yeah, they are. They are. They're a really, uh, really good team, man. Yeah, and then uh, right, real quick, right after the uh, first Auburn Alabama game, a lot of people, you know, including on this show. We're saying that they were predicting probably a double-digit win for Auburn mm-hmm. uh, when Alabama come to town. I, I, I'm one of them. I think they will win by double digits yeah. tomorrow night. And, I, and look, I think Auburn has every opportunity to do that. And I think Auburn is a double-digit win better team. I don't know the best way to say that. Auburn's better than Alabama by double digits. I firmly believe that. Um, but I also think that Alabama's going to give you everything they got. And did you see where uh, their suspended player conveniently got reinstated? Yeah, funny how that happens, huh? It's funny how Nick Pringle just all of a sudden, hey, his attitude got better, Mark. His attitude's better now that Auburn's on the on the schedule. Absolutely. Yeah, he's ready to play now. He's on board. All right, have a great afternoon. Thanks so much, Mark. Appreciate it. 334-321-1390. Appreciate Mark calling in. We'll get to our first break here in hour number two. Daryl Dapperts, Double D, joins us when we come back. 
on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. I'm Jacob Goins with you. And joining us as he does every Tuesday, excited to talk to this guy about all things Auburn athletics. It's Double D, Daryl Dapperch. Man, how are you, brother? Good, man. It's great to be back on. A lot of good things have happened, I think, in the last week since we've talked. So a lot to talk about. Yeah, yeah. We've got a lot to catch up on. And uh, we'll start with some football things. We'll get into basketball as we get into the next segment with Auburn and Alabama coming up. And uh, you are fresh off a trip down to the Senior Bowl, man. Tell us about that, how that trip went. Really a great opportunity to get kind of up close and personal and watch. You know, they've talked about for years how there's more value in observing the practices as there actually is the game and I got a chance to see that firsthand the access to the players watching them in particular drills go one-on-one uh, in practices having the opportunity to talk to a few scouts that were down there some NFL scouts what their takes were on some Auburn players then having the chance after the practice sessions to get on the field and actually talked to and interview Auburn players as well as Coach Freeze on Wednesday. The access was unmatched, and it was really great to see. I think Jalen Simpson is probably the one that I think did himself most the most good. Uh, they, they continually matched him up against guys like Walker from North Carolina and uh, McConkey from Georgia, uh, really just guys that were the, the best receivers at the Senior Bowl. And he really did a great job um, just, you know, one-on-one and, and closing and coverage and, and doing a lot of good things. I think he made himself a lot of money. And uh, I, I think the, the versatility of Jalen Simpson and being able to play slot corner or safety like he did at Auburn, he played both positions, mm-hmm. besides the fact that he's a ball hawk, man. You know, he <laughs> led the team in interceptions. I think he is the one that most scouts felt like did did himself the most good and uh, really probably shot up the board a little bit for Auburn. Yeah, and you know, the Senior Bowl is something where it's a cool experience and guys get to go down there like you were talking about, and, and it's that one of those last opportunities to go and just prove themselves a little bit. And some guys are there to to kind of improve their draft stock, and other guys are just there and, and you know appreciative of the invite. But one thing that stood out to me, Daryl, was of all the Auburn guys that people like you and Zach talked to, a lot of them had good things to say about the future of Auburn and the guys that are on the current roster right now. Yeah, you know, you, there's always some resistance or some pushback when you ask players that are departing you know, who do you see taking your place? Who's going to have to step up? They seem reluctant to do that. Marcus Harris, Jalen Simpson, and DJ James were very, very complimentary of the guys that were behind them. Uh, the, the Falks, the Zacchaeus Walker, some of the guys that, you know, Darren Reed, from a defensive line standpoint, um, that that uh, Harris, Marcus Harris mentioned, he mentioned his brother, uh, Malik Blockton. Mm-hmm. And then DJ James was very high on Kay and Lee. Uh, was was real high too on Sylvester Smith in the secondary. So I, I think that from a depth standpoint and and you know just two deeps and that kind of thing, uh, Auburn seems to be in pretty good hands uh, from where they are. And this 2023 class that Hugh Freeze signed his first year is going to be the those guys are going to be very crucial in the transition as in which starts next year. 
well, a cool opportunity for you and Zach to go down to to that senior bowl. And, and as we continue talking some Auburn football with Daryl Dapperich from uh, Locked on Auburn, he's with Zach Blackerby on Fridays, wherever you get your podcast. I know we've talked a hair about it, Daryl, but not a whole lot because there's been a, a just a random uproar about Auburn hiring DJ Durkin as the defensive coordinator. And it was weird because this wasn't initial, right? This didn't happen immediately when the announcement was made. It seemed to be a few days afterwards, and and all of a sudden everybody's all fired up that Auburn hired DJ Durkin. I think what was most telling for me, because the news broke, about 9.15 at night, Monday night, uh, as we got on the road Tuesday morning to go down there, we had the opportunity to kind of put some feelers out, talk to some people about what they thought. And, yeah, the pushback started later on that week. I think the interesting thing and the preemptive launch, so to speak, that Hugh Freeze gave us as far as a soundbite Wednesday afternoon when we had the opportunity to talk to him in really close quarters. You know, there was about seven or eight of us. It was a regular press conference, and then some stuck around after the press conference was over and just kind of chatted it up. He was very, very uh, pointed in saying that John Cohen was on board with this hire and very active in the process as far as interviewing. So I, when he said that right out of the gate, it was it was very much to me to be kind of a preemptive strike that, hey, you know, our athletic director signed off on this. We did due diligence. He's been hired at three other places before coming to Auburn. John Cohen is very conservative in the way he does things, and same with our compliance department. So I think, you know, the, the fact that Cohen was on board uh, should have taken a lot of that sting away initially, but you still have the naysayers. Look, you're going to have, regardless of what Hugh Freeze does, who he hires, I get that Durkin is a lightning rod. I, the thing that bothers me, I am very, very much in the media, when it's people in the media or coaches, whatever, when people are hypocritical and strangely silent about one aspect of, of a hire or who could potentially hire DJ Durkin, but just come out full guns ablazing when it's Auburn. I like, like, some of these guys and these national writers and podcasters that were all over this Durkin thing from the moment he got hired, even at Ole Miss, to their credit, it wasn't just right. an Auburn thing. Yeah, were are strangely silent with about Brian Kelly when he came to LSU, mm. and the situations are yes different but similar. Brian Kelly put a student manager up on a tower in extremely windy situation conditions to videotape practice. Numerous people say we don't think it's a good idea. Kelly was even more belligerent about it. The kid ended up losing his life. I get it. It's an accident. Whether or not Kelly was there, how much, how culpable he was in that remains to be seen. Silence when he comes into LSU to get hired from a lot of these same people. Uh, and that's the problem I have is that the, you know, there's this, this outrage uh, from one example, but crickets from the other and the fact that you know i think it's pretty well documented that a lot of good sources were saying that nick saban was prepared to hire yep dj durkin yep. and kevin Steele retired yep. so i mean look <laughs> if nick saban who's the greatest of all time is confident in hiring dj durkin i think that's a that's an endorse and, and i'll say this too here's another little nugget Hugh freeze made it very very clear that he has spoken to Nick Saban a lot since he's retired. 
a lot, like almost every day, talking about how Nick Saban teases him and he's on the golf course, what's Freeze doing? Oh, you're out recruiting? I'm putting right now, that kind of stuff. <laughs> he, he told him that they talked about how both of them got a lot of things wrong in year one of their tenures. Yeah. Saban at Alabama, Freeze at Auburn. And what you can do to rectify that. I mean, Nick Saban gave you Freeze advice. You don't think for one second, because I know better, I know for a fact, that Nick Saban also recommended DJ Durkin to, to Hugh Freeze and said, that's a dude you need to get, and, and thought it was a good hire. They talked about it, okay? So, look, <laughs> you can't have it both ways, right? I mean, if Saban endorsed him or was ready to hire him or told Hugh Freeze, hey, this would be a good hire, I, I think it's just one of those situations where people are just going to find anything they can that's right. to criticize Freeze. They they are, and that's what I've said too. Is like, man, Daryl, there are still people that are upset that Auburn hired Hugh Freeze. I mean, there are still Auburn fans. There's a, a smaller group of them, but there's still people that are mad at Auburn hired him. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> there, there's a faction of people and a faction of Auburn Twitter and Auburn fans. Auburn Twitter that no matter what you can do, no matter what you do, it's 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 it doesn't matter. And and you have to understand can't make them all happen. Values. Errol. Well, yeah, and you got to understand values and motivations and agendas behind some of those folks and just call it what it is and just let it go. And I think it's fair to say this, too, that it's not just Auburn. I mean, every fan base has that, right? I mean, you, you've been around your fair share of them. There's always that group that they're always just going to be upset and have negative things to say about a team that they cheer for. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Well, it's because what they want to promote as an agenda – or a worldview, or you know, uh, a value is more important. Now I get it. There are certain things that are more important than your fandom. Of course, there is. But but you know, when you start to push that that agenda, and it becomes, look, I, I don't care. You know, I want I want my voice and my stance heard. And it, you start mixing that with college football. I mean, it's it, it, you're trying to promote an ideal. Right. A lot of these guys, it, it, it's very, it's very virtue signaling. A lot of it. Um, do I think what Hugh Freeze, what happened with Hugh Freeze in the past, was wrong? Absolutely. I'm a father of four, and I'm a husband, and so. You know, but I also believe in second chances. I believe in forgiveness, and I think the same people that are going after Hugh Freeze, when you look at their timelines and their mentions. It's very, very telling of who they give second chances to. Mm -hmm. And I'll just leave it at that. I like it. I like it. Double D, Daryl Dapperch with us here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. When we come back, we'll talk some Auburn basketball. As the Crimson Tide come into town, both head coaches had some interesting things to say about the game coming up tomorrow. We'll talk about that with Daryl Dapperch after this. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 
We've got 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line as we continue talking with Double D, Daryl Dapperidge on the phone lines. He joins us every Tuesday for 30 minutes. Man, it's been such a uh, blessing and honor to have him join us for even longer on Tuesday afternoons. And as we move on from the ba- from the football side of things to the basketball side of things, I mean, Daryl, we could talk for, I think, hours about the game that's coming up tomorrow. And storylines just keep creating themselves, man. It's too easy sometimes. Yeah, you know, before we jump into that, a reset for what I feel like was one of the best halves of basketball that I've seen yes. Auburn play. The, the, the fact that that place was lit, the roof was about to be blown off at Ole Miss, they had Kiffin there, they had Marshall Henderson. It was just everything set up for Auburn to go into a hostile environment and get beat, and then, you know, they got down 13. There were a couple times, Jacob, in the first half when Ole Miss had the ball up 13, you could just feel like, oh, gosh, it's teetering on getting out of control. Here we go And again. then Denver Jones hits the three, I think, which was huge before the end of the first half to cut it to nine. Yep. And Auburn comes out in the second half, shoots 70-something percent, limits Ole Miss, starts getting points in the paint, and Broom gets going. So all those factors, that is as good a half to turn it around like that when everything, everything seemed to be going Ole Miss's way was an unbelievable statement, and I think it was a great springboard to what could happen tomorrow night. Now, Auburn's laying in the weeds, really feeling like they got, you know, they let one slip away in Coleman and the whole broom getting stomped on. This is going to be really interesting, and then Oates coming out for the second year in a row. Now, people are saying that what he said today about it being a high school, like a high school gym, and you pack 2,000 in there, and then when you get eight or nine, it's loud. I get it. The end of that statement was complimentary. I feel like the beginning, with anytime you compare anybody's arena to a high school arena, I don't care how you try to come back on the other end and make it sound like a compliment. It doesn't appear that way. It appears like a backhanded compliment. And he said something similar last year. Uh, that's some bulletin board material. There and I go. think that um, it's going to be used. Uh, for fuel tomorrow night. Not that there needs to be anything. I think Auburn's a really good basketball team. I think Auburn at home is a better basketball team than Alabama. Uh, I think we'll see what what will come out as far as who's better, uh, who would win on a neutral floor by if Auburn can extend a win tomorrow night and win, you know, comfortably. I don't know that they will, but it, it should be a really good basketball game, and I expect Auburn to play really well at home tomorrow. I don't know what Nate Oates' issue is. I don't know what his problem is when he gets on the stand in front of a microphone. I'd hate to see him at, at church or at an auction or in Congress. I mean, because you just don't know what the guy's going to say. And it's and I really do feel, Daryl, that half the time he doesn't intend to say what he says, but man, he's been on the wrong end of PR situations lately. He's one of those guys that I think just says something that pops into his head and maybe the intent isn't what it comes out of his mouth, but it's hard sometimes that, you you know, not thinking through. I mean, this goes all the way back to last year mm-hmm. with the wrong place, wrong time comment, and then, you know, saying some things after basketball games, you know, this year. And I, and I don't, you know, I look, he, he's a lightning rod for some of the things he does on the court. He's a guy that gets a lot of technical fouls. He's a guy that, that, you know, said some things to LSU and Will Wade a couple years ago that were very colorful. He did the Missouri thing this year where he pushed a player coming out of his huddle. He just seems to be a magnet for unwanted negative attention. And, look, there's a lot of people that are arguing what he said today was a compliment, but if you go and read the whole paragraph, the first half of the paragraph 
seems condescending and seems to be taking a little jab at Auburn's high school, you know, arena. And then at the end of it, he comes through and says, you know, it's loud and it's, you know, you put eight or nine thousand in there and pack it in. I get it. There, there seem to be trying to genuinely say something nice and comparing it to Cameron Indoor. I don't. I mean, again, I, I would just. I would know my role and stay in my lane and not talk about other people's arenas if I played in an arena that the lights went out. Yeah, there you go. Get the lights. I mean, I, again, I'm not trying to be snarky, but that's you know that the hangar and one of the you know that, that try they're, they're trying to get a new building. Maybe there's some envy there that they look at what Auburn has and he wants that in Tuscaloosa. I get it, but if you know that was a disgrace, what happened the first four or five minutes of that game two weeks ago? And I think that if, if that happened in my arena, I would be less likely to talk about somebody else's arena. Here's what I'll say, Daryl. I don't know any high school gym in the country where kids are camping out 28 hours before the game starts. Yeah, I mean, they never even did that to see a young Daryl Daffords play. So, I, you know, in high school. So, I don't <laughs> You know. couldn't even get your girlfriend to camp out that long, Daryl? No. They, Man. They, they, no. Man. <laughs> so, yeah. I, Exactly. I, I think there's a there's a strategy there. There's a little bit of a poking. Oh, there's you know, no doubt about shots it. Shots fired. So I mean, but you know, again, I don't know why you'd want to do that. I don't know. There, Auburn is really, really lathered up and ready for you to come in there tomorrow night. Anyway, yeah, you're their biggest rival. That place is lit. You've beaten Auburn three three times in a row in three very close basketball games. I don't think you want to do anything to poke the bear, especially Broom, who is really still pretty peed up peed off about what happened mm-hmm. when not getting you know the foul not getting called for getting stomped on so well, he said it's personal uh, that's what that's what personal. i said that's he said it's personal, it's personal. Yeah. yeah and that's why it's personal and I, and I think you know from a physicality standpoint auburn has to be careful tomorrow night to not be too jacked up too hyped up trying to prove too much too much revenge factor um and you know get back because of being angry with the way the last two times have been bullied a little bit or the perception's been that. You, guys like Cardwell and Katie Johnson and Chad Baker-Mazzara, you don't want to get any technical fouls. You don't want to give them any extra points, that kind of thing. Now, that being said, if you know anybody brings that stuff inside, if you're Cardwell or the, you have to make a statement if you're Cardwell or Broom. You cannot allow people to come inside and get easy baskets. So you just have to balance that. You have to be careful not to let the emotion get too much of you to where it leads to technical fouls or, you know, stupid turnovers or that kind of thing. Daryl Dappert's joining us here on ESPN 106.7, as he does every Tuesday from 315 to 345. Here with me, Jacob Goins, during On the Line. Auburn losing the first game against Alabama. That, of course, is on the road in Coleman Coliseum, 79-75, to just four games ago. It's crazy to think that these two teams are playing so soon yet again. Daryl, if there's one or two things that you had to point out that Auburn has to do better tomorrow that they didn't do or you know they did poorly in Coleman what would those things be for Auburn to try to get a win tomorrow night there are three key factors that I think need to happen number one Auburn needs to extend that defensively they have to extend and if you're going to get beat inside with Pringle playing again tomorrow night and whoever else they have yeah how convenient is that that Pringle's coming back huh you saw that coming like the sunrise tomorrow morning (laughs) um I, I think you know Griffin and Sears and the other kid, Lightfield, whatever his name is, I don't know his name, but you got to you got to try to extend on them and take away the three pointer. If 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 Alabama shoots thirty threes tomorrow night and makes 
12 to 15, you got problem. You've got to limit them to about 20 to 25 and then let them make 10 or 8. You know, then you're okay. That's the first thing. Second of all, you got to keep them off the glass. Offensive rebounding kept Auburn in the game in the first half against Ole Miss. It's lost them some games this year with second chance mm-hmm. points. Keep Alabama off the offensive glass, box out, win the rebound advantage. And then at the end of the day, the third thing is you've got to get some transition baskets. You've got to get Alabama to turn it over. Alabama will not guard you. They like to come down, shoot their threes, and they're just not a good team guarding you in transition. So if you're, if you're Auburn, you've got to get them to turn it over a little bit and get some transition baskets off misses. Remember, a lot of times – Jacob, three pointers come off the rim longer. Yes, uh, you have to uh, you have to adjust for that. If they miss threes, if they miss 15, 16, 17 threes, you should have a ton of transition, transition. basket opportunities for long rebounds. Auburn has to take advantage of that. If they do those three things, they win double digits. I like it. And you know what? Auburn has enough ball handlers. I think on this team, Daryl, whether it be the starters or the guys coming off the bench. I mean. Outside of what Dylan and Janai, I think you feel confident with anybody else, maybe Chris Moore, but anybody else dribbling the basketball up the floor, right? I mean, you feel confident in that. So whoever grabs the board, either put it on the floor or get it out to another person who can get it up the floor. Be careful, though, with those passes that go way down court. Uh, Those seem to have been intercepted a little bit where Auburn grabs it in the back court and tries to throw it, you know, to the front court and people intercept that. I'd rather see a wing or a guard come back half court in and get the ball and then push it. You know, trying to throw it over the top like that's been intercepted. Unless you have literally a snowbird getting behind the defense, don't do it. Come back, let Holloway, KD, Denver, Trey come back to the ball and then go transition. Now, I know some would say, well, that allows the defense to reset. No, not if you're that quick. If you're Trey Donaldson, don't get down the floor all the way to the, to the front court or the other side. Stay in the back court, get the ball, then go. Um, it's going to be – that's going to be a huge advantage for Auburn if they can do that. But it starts with extending and trying to limit the amount of threes they take. Mm-hmm. Um, Auburn didn't do a very good job of that in Coleman. They had way too many three-point opportunities. Uh, just by averages, if you think about it, if, if Alabama shoots 43s in a game and they just hit 15, that percentage isn't great. But 15 threes equates to 45 points. That's a big chunk to have to overcome. So, you know, and keep them off the free throw line, too. They don't like to go inside that much. They do some dribble drive, a dribble drive penetration that can get them to the line. But they don't really run a half-court set where they try to throw it in down low on the block. Um, they get sears going to the rim, you know, that kind of thing, penetrating, driving. You're going to have to do Auburn's block game. The block shots is going to have to be on point tomorrow night as well. If Alabama comes out and is hot hitting their threes and Auburn gets lazy with the passes and turns it over, yeah. Alabama definitely comes in there and wins the game. So mm-hmm. you just have to, you have to take that aspect of their game away. One more thing before we let you get out of here, Daryl. You look at Auburn's schedule, and I think it started this past Saturday with the road game at Ole Miss. It's not an easy end to this schedule. And this seven-game stretch that Auburn is in the midst of is tough. At Ole Miss, they got the win there. Alabama at home tomorrow. Then you're back on the road at Florida before you come home and you host back-to-back top 20 teams in South Carolina and Kentucky. 
And then you're on the road at Georgia and on the road at Tennessee. Tomorrow is a crucial game just in the standpoint of you're going to have limited opportunities to get wins in this upcoming stretch because of how good the teams are that you're playing. Very, very brutal stretch. I mean, that's why I even thought that 14-4 and four could win this league. And I think at 13-5, and five, you, 12-6, and six, nothing to hang your hat out. Yeah. Hang, hang your hat on. It's, it's very... It's a very tough stretch. You know, you talk about the Florida game. Zach and I talked about this Saturday night. Do you realize it's been since 1996? Bill Clinton was president of the United States, still at his first term, before the last time Auburn won at the O'Connell Center in Florida? I'll give you one better. I wasn't even alive, Daryl. Yeah, dude. See, I was, was, yeah, I was. I was year two (laughs) of my marriage, my blissful marriage. But I think that you think about that and, there's a lot of tough places that Auburn has gone into. They haven't won in Rupp. I think Rupp's the only one that's been a longer drought is Rupp. But other than Rupp, in Florida, I mean, you've gone to Arkansas in one. You've gone to Alabama in one. You know, you've gone to a lot of tough places and won basketball games. And Tennessee, you've won. Um, you haven't in Florida. And so this is, you know, this would be a great year, a great opportunity. And there's been some pretty brutal Florida basketball teams during that stretch. It's just unfortunate that Auburn has sucked then too. It's like they've both, you know, and then there's also been when Auburn's been good, you've had the Billy Donovan teams that won yes. back-to-back national championships. So, yes. it's, you know, it, it's not that intimidating. It's not like, you know, Arkansas or even Ole Miss, give them credit for that environment. Uh, but it's, or, or, or a Rupp or a Tennessee where it's just, it's an intimidating atmosphere. But for some reason, it's a house of horrors. For Auburn, and it'd be nice for them to get it figured out this year. Well, before they focus on that, they've got to worry about the Alabama Crimson Tide coming to Neville Arena tomorrow uh, as Auburn hosting Alabama at Auburn should be a really, really good game. And, Daryl, we'll get to talk to you about that next week. Also, we'll get to talk about baseball opening week for Auburn. I know you're excited about that. Fired up. Uh, I'm on now two times a week with uh, Zach, Wednesdays and Fridays. Awesome. I'm now his his guest, and then uh, we go live. After every basketball game, Zach and I have made a a commitment. People seem to like these location shows where we're out traveling and doing some shows. So we'll probably do some from spring practices. We may do a couple of shows from an Auburn baseball game. We're going to kind of mix it up a little bit, do a little, do some location shows. Awesome, man. Well, hey, you guys do such a wonderful job, and I appreciate you and your time and your friendship, of course, and and everything you've done for me so far. Man, have a great rest of your week, and uh, we'll talk to you next Tuesday here on the show. Yeah, I'll save some little rye breads for you for the uh, the, the the snack mix. The, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll save some for you for the next time I see you. Have a great week, my friend. Thanks so much. That's Daryl Dapperich, Double D, joining us here on the show. Uh, just a, a wonderful guy, man. We love Daryl. We love Double D. Check him out on Locked on Auburn on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast with Zach Blackerby. Wednesdays and Fridays now. That's awesome, man. Daryl, uh, he has been he's been in this business for a long time, folks. He knows he knows it better than anybody, and so we appreciate him. Always a good time talking with him. We will wrap up the Tuesday edition of On the Line when we come back here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
winding down here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Got a couple of minutes before we get out of here, and then the drive will be on with Bill Cameron. Believe Coach Don Dunn is going to be in here uh, in the studio as well, so you can stay tuned for that. They'll have some good stuff for you. But hey, we've had a great show today, huh? We've talked a lot about college basketball with what's coming up tonight, and kind of a reminder on on what that is. We'll get you that in just a second. Um, we talked about some NIL stuff. We talked a lot with Daryl Dapperts. Just got off the phone with him. Uh, always fun talking with him and he has such an interesting perspective on things and so we appreciate him and his time as always coming up tonight though in college basketball you kind of look around uh the sec couple of games in in there the game i think of the night there's only two in the conference and one of the games of the night really Ole miss on the road at south carolina how interesting could that game be in the SEC, South Carolina, the biggest story in the conference, maybe one of the biggest stories in college basketball, hosting Ole Miss, who, again, they're still 18-4. and four. Ole Miss is still a good team record-wise. They just haven't been able to do it much in SEC play. All four of those losses are in SEC play. So if the Rebels are trying to win an SEC championship, you got to get this one done tonight. But, man, you look at what, they are having to go through. They just played Auburn. They're at South Carolina. This is Ole Miss. Then they're at Kentucky next week. Then they have Missouri, whatever, at Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Alabama. That's a lot. That's a lot. And I don't think Ole Miss is going to win all those games, but hey, you never know. Um, you kind of look at what's happening around the top 25 tonight. Number three, North Carolina hosting Clemson. Number five, Houston hosting Oklahoma State. And I talked about this in the first hour. You have numerous top 25 teams on the road in conference play against unranked teams. And what happens? That's where they go to die. That's right. That's where ranked teams go to die is on the road to an unranked team in conference play. The one team that's not going to lose tonight is the Dayton Flyers. They are going to win on the road at St. Joe's, I have a feeling. But I picked Texas to beat Iowa State. I'm picking Oklahoma to beat BYU. Um, I'm not going to go out and say Vanderbilt beats Kentucky. I'm not that dangerous. I'm not that I'm not that bold, folks, I promise. I, I, I do like to give you some, some hot takes every now and then, but that's not going to be one of them. Uh, top 25 game, number 23, Texas Tech, and number 13, Baylor. That's 8 o'clock on ESPN. So excited for that. College basketball is – it's just been a lot of fun. But Kansas State winning last night – over Kansas and all that good stuff also high school sports tonight if you're looking for some things to listen to some more on the radio this evening right after this I'll be heading over to Lee Scott Academy more postseason basketball had it just about every day last week I'm hoping to have it every day this week Lee Scott Academy girls won last night in the Elite Eight defeating Monroe they are on to the final four that'll be tomorrow but the Elite Eight for the boys is tonight for Lee Scott Academy they are hosting Monroe as well you can catch me on Tiger Country 104.5 tigercountry.net uh, you can find that I'll be on the air at 5 o'clock for Lee Scott Academy Elite 8 winner moves on to the final four and then Auburn High School also on the air tonight with our good friend Jumpin' Jack Hutton. You can find that on 96.3 W. Lee. As soon as my game is over, he'll go on over on 96.3 W. Lee. Two different stations, but you can flip back and forth there for a little bit. He'll go on at 6 o'clock Auburn High School in their area championship. The boys taking on Central as well. Girls got it done last night. Boys playing Central tonight as well. So great high school games going on tonight. College games and then tomorrow here on the show me and Uncle T-Bone back in the studio. We'll talk Auburn, Alabama, Alabama, 
lots of things to get to on that, man. And uh, who knows what other drama is going to be stirred up between now and then with Nate Oates and Bruce Pearl and the fans. And look, students are already camping out outside of Neville Arena. It's a huge, huge game tomorrow night inside of Neville Arena when Auburn hosts Alabama. We'll talk a lot about that on the show tomorrow. Any other news that pops up? More college basketball games tomorrow. There's some other good ones around college basketball other than Auburn and Alabama and any other news that you want to talk about. So that'll be tomorrow on the show. I appreciate you here today. If you missed any of the show, you can go find the podcast ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Uncle T-Bone will be back with me tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7. I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.